Hello, everyone. This is Garrett Staples of the Welcome to the Jungle podcast, season four, episode three. Yesterday, as we all know, was Halloween. We were all excited as Bengals fans. Monday night football up in the land at First Energy Stadium against the Browns. Hey, we're going to talk about this. We're going to break it down. We're going to talk about moving forward, what to look for, the trade deadline, what the Bengals did and didn't do, what they need to do, and where do they go from here after being simply embarrassed on national TV. Ladies and gents, we're going to get ready to get right into it. So let's just start off with the stats. Joe Burrow, 25 of 35, 232 yards. Um, two touchdowns, one, one interception. And sacked five times. Um, I, I don't know what to say. I can't blame this on Burrow. I think if you saw maybe it was the second drive where Burrow basically tattooed Michael Thomas, and this is this is Jamar Chase's replacement, Michael Thomas for now, tattooed him in between his numbers, and the guy just drops the ball, Michael Thomas. So you can see already Burrow's le- losing faith in the guy who's supposed to be stepping up. and re- I, I, we, we know he's not Chase, but you at least got to be serviceable. And any NFL player, when you're wide open like that, You have to catch that ball, and it was a drive killer on third down. So just moving right along and just the lack there of protection and pass protection, it makes any quarterback their their time, that clock to speed up, which which it occurred. And it just, with this lack there of offensive scheming between Brian Callahan and Zach Taylor, you could just see that they had just submitted to 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 the Browns that we're just going to go ahead. We're just going to show go to the short passing game. I mean, there was no creativity to it. You didn't see um, the movement of wide receivers. Put them in a bunch formation, motioning your wide receivers to get to create matchups when you just can't beat a guy on speed because you don't have a Jamar Chase just to take a top off of the defense where you're lacking that, that home run threat, that ability. So then you have to start scheming ways to get guys who may be not as quick, not as fast, scheme them to get them open. I think you see that down there in Miami with their head coach, uh, I believe it's Adam Gase or Mike Gase, whichever one. And then you're talking about Mike Shanahan down uh, out there in San Francisco how they scheme these guys to be wide open. And when you look at the Bengals offense and you look at Phil Sims, who actually uh, a couple weeks ago when the Bengals offense was really struggling, um, I guess against the Ravens, yeah, I, th- I think it was it that week, but Phil Sims broke down the offense and just where it's stagnant to where it's almost the same thing as when a quarterback is reading the defense in your pre-snap read. It's the same thing that occurs when it comes to the offense 
and what they give the defense is a pre-snap read when you just keep your receivers stationary and don't move them all, whether it's three wide, whether it's two wide receivers and, and two tight ends. And if you don't move them, that doesn't cause any confusion. So then you're just basically asking, even if they go to five wide out when they go into the spread formation, kind of like with Burrow when he sits in shotgun, which has kind of revived the offense to where he can just read the defense. And when you sit them just in those formations, and let's just say five wide, and you don't have any motion for the wide receiver, you're basically just asking for the wide receiver to win and beat that defensive back. And clearly, Tyler Boyd got open periodically, but that was a focal point to take that away without Chase, the double team. And they went back, the Browns, they, they went back to what was effective. They went back to that zone and too high safety look that, as they call it, the proverbial uh, Tony Dungy, Tampa 2 defense. And then you take a look at T. Higgins. It was the same way. I mean, they, they blanketed coverage on him. The Browns did. I mean, it's the smart thing to do. And that's where you're supposed to play the game of chess, and you just don't see those adjustments from Brian Callahan and Zach Taylor to scheme these guys open. Moving right along as we're talking stats. Joe Mixon, the run game just was non-existent. Eight rushes, 27 yards. It's so bad right now with this offensive line and run blocking that they're scheming Mixon and they're basically, they're just basically saying, hey, we can't run the ball, so we're just going to throw to him out in the in the flats and basically use that kind of like how the Rams do or whatever because we know Zach Taylor, he's a pupil of Sean McVay. Basically, I'm just going to throw to the running back and, and call that the running game. Seven receptions, 32 yards. T. Higgins, three receptions, 49 yards, and he's got to be the main guy right now with Jamar Chase injured. Hayden Hurst, four receptions, 42 yards. I kind of understand that. You thought he would have a bigger role, but you also take in consideration that Hayden Hurst had a a growing injury that he's been fighting through. Trent Irwin, I saw, I think, one creative play uh, where it was kind of like a jet sweep, two receptions, 21 yards. Chris Evans, somebody who they really need to work into the offense with Chase out, Jamar Chase out, one reception, 26 yards. And I've already spoke about Michael Thomas and how he is not the answer where the Bengals need to go on the waiver wire. We all know the trade deadline has already come and gone and passed as of 4 p.m. Okay? And then let's just talk about the Browns stats right now. Nick Chubb, 23 carries, 101 yards, and two touchdowns. Let me expound on this just to get started because I'm disgusted like all Bengals fans are disgusted. And this is five straight wins the Browns have beaten the Bengals. It's it's disgusting. And, and the style and then the fashion the Browns are beating the Bengals are just like Bill Cowher back in the early 2000s and 90s um, where it's just basically – I have the better offensive line. They're bigger, stronger, 
and they have the, the physicality that they play with and they're mentally tougher. I'm going to punk you. You can't stop it. They're not strong enough and we're just going to play bully football. And that's just what occurred um, last night. I mean, simple and point blank. And I mean, Kevin Stefanski, he gets accused by Browns fans, which I do agree with, that they don't give Nick Chubb the ball enough. But when it comes to the Bengals, he makes sure to get Chubb at least 20 carries or more because he knows this run defense and the Bengals are built as a finesse team. They are not built as one of these AFC North division teams that are big physical in the trenches, offensive and defensive line. They're just not, they're just not moving right along. Kareem Hunt, 11 carries, 42 yards. Amari Cooper, uh, five receptions, 131 yards, one touchdown. Amari Cooper and heck, I even have him in fantasy. He's been non-existent, but against the Bengals, their defense, Amari Cooper comes to life. And Jacoby Brissett, it was just the opposite. You looked at Burrow under fire, under siege, pressure all night long. Jacoby Brissett, he could go from his first read all the way to his fourth read. And unless Lou Anaramo sent to safety last night or a uh, or a uh, cornerback, Mike Hilton or Von Bell, there was no pressure on the quarterback. And I do feel like, and we saw Trey Hendrickson, he got sandwiched in between, I believe, that guard and that tackle. Once he hurt his back, there was no pass rush generated, none at all, non-existent. Amari Cooper, and, with, and I'll take that also that, hey, the referees, they didn't do us any favors as far as they were holding uh, the Browns offensive line, holding our defensive ends, but it really just, you, you didn't get any of those calls. And then moving right along, Jacoby Brissett, 17-22, very efficient, 278 yards and a touchdown. So... This is part one, season four of episode three. This is part one. I'll be right back with part two. And then we're just going to talk about, you know, kind of like the college football committee, college football playoff committee. They just had their first rankings to come out. I mean, and these, these folks have to sit on a panel and do an eye test. So before I, I break, just think about it in your in your mind, listeners, with the eye test. Did the Bengals look like a team that have just went to the Super Bowl or did the Browns look like a team who went to the Super Bowl last year and, and just throttled the Bengals? Think about it. We'll be right back. Season four, episode three, part two of the Welcome to the Jungle podcast. Your host, Garrett Staples. I'm back. And it, the Halloween House of Horrors, whatever you want to call it, up there in First Energy Stadium in Cleveland. Ladies and gents, let me tell you, it, it only got worse and it really did hurt. So, for starters, Chidobe Awuzie. The Bengals' number one cornerback, cornerback, a torn ACL out for the season. 
I will reiterate that I mentioned about before in part one about the trade deadline and the Bengals not making any moves. There were some rumors. Um, I actually believe there was, let's see, who was this? I read something or I actually saw something where one of, oh my goodness, I'm trying to think who was being cut. But needless to say, it was not anybody that the Bengals made a move for to, to trade for. There was a rumor as far as Jeffrey Akuda up there in the Detroit. That didn't happen. Um, <laughs> the Bengals, they're right at the, the salary cap. At they, they, they've got about $3 million to spend. And we know Mike Brown. He is not like the Rams owner. He is not going to spend over the salary cap. If he has a contender, he's not going to make those big time moves to make it a put the team over the hump and make it a championship team. That's just unfortunately who Mike Brown is right now. He started to make changes, but man, it's just it's just like pond water with this guy. You just just to get him to open up the pocketbook. You've had Paycor invest in the team, um, the practice facility. They've been invested in by a different company, but it, it still ran like a family business. And now your starting cornerback is out for the year. And knowing the Bengals, being the Bengals and penny pension, they'll probably insert Dax Hill as the try to make him the number one cornerback, and he's only a rookie. So it's it's just. Insult to injury, and it's frustrating, ladies and gents. And I mentioned before Trey Hendrickson, if you saw that, one of the plays. And on the Pat McAfee show, the oh, my goodness, he gave a great breakdown of last night in Monday Night Football, uh, one of his assistants as far as in the trenches. And, I mean, you could see what offensive line play, unfortunately, from the opposition in the Browns, what it's supposed to look like and how you double team and then scrape from the defensive lineman and get to the second level and scrape onto a linebacker. And I mean, it was just like a massacre, just textbook mauling on how to do offensive play, offensive line play, how it should look like with the Cleveland Browns and what it didn't look like with the Cincinnati Bengals. And I'll touch on this this whole personnel thing and general managers here in a second. Now, moving right along. I mentioned in part one, Joe Burrow was sacked five times. Let's not even count the hurries, the pressure that, that, that he felt around him and just not being able to get comfortable in the pocket, not being able to, to have enough time to push the ball downfield to where all you saw were these quick two-step, three-step drops like a West Coast offense and basically throwing the get, getting rid of the ball quick because I know I don't have any time. So I'm, I'm basically throwing it to my hot route every time, whether that's Joe Mixon or trying to get it to a tight end or the slot receiver quickly because I just don't have the time. And... I hate to say it, but if you've ever seen a turnstile in the subway, that's what Jonah Williams looked like last night. 
with all the pressures that he gave up. And I'll say one thing. I understand Miles Garrett will be in the Hall of Fame. We all know that. Extremely talented, extraordinary player. But it wasn't just Miles Garrett who was taking his turns, and excuse my French, on Jonah Williams. Ladies and gentlemen, it was pretty much anybody who lined up on the left side. Now, maybe it's because of this dislocated kneecap and the Bengals' ineptitude to build depth in their offensive line to where if a guy can't go, he can just sit down. And maybe he's playing, well, we know he's playing through injuries, Jonah Williams. But that was, I mean, it was just terrible. And to think at the trade deadline, you not only need now, you need a cornerback, you need a wide receiver. And now I would say, hey, you need a left tackle and you need to see if you can kick Jonah Williams inside. And being that the Bengals are are just just cheap and not going to go the extra mile, in in free agency or or in the dead you know before the trade deadline I'll say free agency they have spent some money but they didn't do enough I mean the, the offensive line it, it's it's been exposed with all three AFC North divisional opponents that I mean it just is what it is so you take a look at that Jonah Williams I I mean I'm I'm looking now and I'm looking at Jackson Carmen a guy who doesn't even suit up. I mean, that's bad. When your second round picks, somebody, your first and second round picks, you're supposed to be able to count on. And you don't even suit up Jackson Carmen. And he's a, he's a local Cincinnati native. Uh, I believe went to Fairfield High School, five-star offensive tackle. I remember, and I've, I've talked about this in previous podcasts, Urban Meyer was recruiting him at Ohio State. Dabo Sweeney won that negative recruiting him to come to Clemson, and he protected in the national championship, he protected Trevor Lawrence's blind side. So I say the experiment has failed at guard. Try to see what you have with Jackson Carmen. Build his confidence back up and see if he can play left tackle. Because clearly, not to say that even when Jonah Williams is healthy, he can he he can handle at Joe's blind side, uh, elite pass rushers. But you've got to see what you have in Jackson Carmen at this point. If not, if you already knew, then you needed to trade him before beforehand and say, you know what? Once again, Duke, Duke Tobin, the player personnel, has failed to draft another adequate offensive lineman. So that's, I mean, that's just that. You, you can hear the frustration uh, in my voice. And then let's just come on over. Like I mentioned to you guys before the part one was over, I said, man, just, just think about the eye test and what you saw. And like I mentioned, different, different shows, different podcasts, different entities have broke down the offensive line and defensive lines. And I'm going to put it to you like this. The Bengals, they draft outside in, which you can maybe get away in the AFC South. But in a blue-collar states and blue-collar cities like Ohio, like Pennsylvania, like uh, 
well, I'm not going to say all the way Maryland is, is blue collar, but lunch pail cities, Baltimore is a lunch pail city, blue collar. You have to be able to draft elite offensive and defensive linemen. That's why the Ravens and Steelers, even though the Steelers are down this year, that's why they have the most AFC North division titles because they don't focus on so much having elite skill positions. They they get by with decent guys that they find gems later on, but they put their top one, two, first and second round picks, third picks. They may even trade down. I've seen the Ravens do it, excuse me. They put their emphasis on getting the largest, nastiest, meanest, toughest, strongest, physicalist offensive offensive and defensive linemen they can find. And it's no wonder why the Bengals are 0-3 within the division because why? Everybody has the blueprint in this division. It's like basically I'm not I'm playing chess. I'm not going to try to play your game, you know, get into a track meet with the Bengals. What I'm going to do is I'm going to control the I'm going to control the time of possession. I'm going to shorten the game and I'm going to get physical. I'm going to play bully ball. I'm going to run the ball down your throat. And until you can stop it, I'm going to keep doing the same thing. We saw this with the Steelers back in the day. Jerome Bettis, they just kill the clock and just run the ball down your throat once they got the lead. And the Ravens this year, that's that's kind of what you saw. That Lamar didn't have any great passing stats. Um, you take a look at that Steelers game. They just made it uh, uh, within the phone book, I call it, in between the tackles, just an all-out brawl and fight. And the Bengals and all three of these these litmus tests, these tests within the AFC North division, Browns, Ravens, and Steelers, they've all failed to meet the physicality and have had their manhood taken. And that's a tough pill to swallow. And what's even tougher is this front office has seen this five straight times now with the Browns. And we know Mike Brown, this is personal for him just for the simple fact that Paul Brown, his father, was fired by Art Modell and the Cleveland Browns, and that's how you have the Cincinnati Bengals today. Paul Brown said, I'll make my own damn team. Okay, so don't take this lightly how Mike Brown feels about losing to the Browns. So they have the blueprint as far as the film shows it, everybody sees it. Their offensive line and defensive lines for the Bengals, they're just not good enough. They're not physical enough. They're not large enough. It, 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 it just is what it is. You updated, you upgraded on the offensive line. You, you updated, upgraded with uh, Ted Karras at center, right guard Alex Kappa, offensive tackle uh, Lyle Collins. But you still got question marks at Left tackle, Jonah Williams, that's somebody you need to move on from. You don't need to give him an extension. And Cordell Volson, let's be honest, because of the ineptitude for Duke Tobin to be able to draft correctly, you have a rookie now starting over a second-year player in Jackson Carmen. So that's pretty much 
where we're at. Did the Bengals address this, you would think, before the trade deadline? No, they have not. So now at this point, all you can hope is maybe on the waiver wire, the Bengals, they, they go ahead and, and address this. But the, the eye test clearly showed, hey, the Browns, they know that we're the more bigger and physical team. We know the Bengals can't stop it. And it was a house of horrors in Cleveland because, I mean, they they just manhandled and bloodied the Bengals up. So that is that. That's the, the Halloween horrors that you, that you heard. And I, I, I spoke in general, and then I'll just close out with this. The Browns, their general mag- manager, Andrew Barry, the Ravens, Eric DaCosta, the Steelers, Kelvin Colbert, they all build their teams the right way, inside out, offensive, defensive line, big physical guys, nasty guys in the trenches. The Bengals, they focus on skill positions, and that's why they don't win consistently in this division. They have to have everything go right versus these other teams in the division. No, even and, and you look at the Browns, they had a backup quarterback. They can still win ugly because they can run the ball effectively. Keep you honest. And then, you know, with the Bengals, it was so bad that they had to have the secondary, somebody come up like a Von Bell from safety, like a Mike Hilton from the slot corner for run support to where it opens up the play-action passing game because you have now linebackers stepping up towards the line of scrimmage and now you can start taking shots. Amari Cooper hasn't done anything the past couple weeks, but he had a breakout game against the Bengals. Why? Because the pass rush was just non-existent. And when does the elephant in the room get addressed, Duke Tobin, by the Brown family? Man, I'm, I'm, I'm still waiting for that answer. I'm waiting for the Cincinnati media to hold these guys accountable and start asking, okay, we understand that Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase, those are can't-miss prospects, easy to draft. But when are you going to start hitting on anything from the second round and below, or even the first round, these offensive and defensive linemen for the Bengals? So that's it. That's all I got. The Halloween, House of Horrors up in Cleveland. This is the Welcome to the Jungle podcast with your friend, your host, Garrett Staples, and I'm out. And it's still who day.